0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Good morning. So grateful uh, to be here with you this morning and to worship uh, our great God together. We're going uh, to be taking communion together uh, at the end of service today. And so uh, I want to invite you, if you have not uh, received, uh, communion elements as you came in if you did not receive one of these packets if you'll raise your hand uh, we'll make sure uh, to get those to you so if anyone uh, did not receive one of those on the way in I see a few folks here uh, up front but uh, just to give you kind of a heads up uh, when I first uh, started going to church I started dating my wife and she went to church so uh, she was my girlfriend then, and if I was going to date her, I probably needed to go to church. And so I uh, started going to church pretty regular, and in the midst of that, I remember the first time uh, that we were taking communion, I wasn't quite in that mode. It had been a little while since I'd been in church, and so they handed uh, out uh, some bread. We took it off that thing, and as they took it in, I went ahead and ate it, and yeah, and then I faked eating it later. It was uh, <laughs> mm, so good. Um, some of y'all may have done that, right? But so uh, so a couple things this morning. So as we uh, take communion uh, at the end of service, if you want to go ahead and find the little separator on the top that'll let you into the wafer uh, there, that'll let you into the bread, and just start that. You don't have to get it out right now and hold it all service or anything like that. But it may save you some time. Sometimes these things can be a little cantankerous. Um, and so then you'll be able to get that a little easier when... Uh, the time comes. And if you're a believer and have been born again into the family of God, and you've been saved uh, by grace uh, through faith, uh, then we welcome you to take part in communion together with us. Uh, You know, that day I kind of took the the bread a little early. I think some people looked at me and thought, yeah, I know that guy. You know, there was a, a comedian that made a lot of money out of just a few words. He would Talk about people and kind of the things that they do that seem obvious and seem, you know, occasionally you'll see something in front of you and everything just seems, you know, like you would just get it. And then they would say something kind of silly and he would say, here's your sign. Yeah, some of you are familiar with that. It's moments like that. He shares the story of uh, someone looking, it's like deer season uh, coming in strong right now. And Saw a deer mounted on the wall, and he said, man, did you kill that thing? He said, no, he just ran through the wall and got stuck right there. So that was kind of one of his. When, when uh, Sherry and I, one time, we had a yard sale, and on that day, we had gathered up everything that you have piled up that you want to get rid of, you know, and so we're, we're stacking all that stuff out. There's a large sign at the end of the road that says yard sale. We've got stuff spread out all over the yard, and there's prices on all of it. Got a little apron on, you know, that has ready to do this thing. And people pull up and they say, y'all having a yard sale? And you're trying to, like as a pastor, I have to behave. Like I rode down with some guests in the elevator and I'm like, Hi, I'm Jason. and the pastor here. They're like, oh, we're going to be on our best behavior. Well, listen, it's me that's got to be on mine all the time. Like all, all that stupid stuff that pops in my head, I always have to keep that to myself, right? So it's that kind of moment. I remember when I worked at Lowe's, we would find people that would come. Uh, we'd have been closed for about an hour, you know, or letting employees out or doing that kind of thing at the door. And the little sign on the door, you know, says closed at 6 p.m. It's like 7.05. And there's people that are just beating the door. And you walk up to them, right, you kind of get to see them, they're beating on the door, and you walk up there and you open the door, they say, y'all closed? <laughs> right, there's those kind of moments, right, where we just want to look at them and say, here's your sign, right? And so, now, we know that the sign that he was, uh, you know, encouraging and those kind of things, probably not the best thing in the world to, to hand out to folks for encourage. encouragement. We've all had those moments, and today, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus response to a group of Jewish religious leaders. And he responds to them and they're looking for a sign. And and the sign that they're looking for, it, it's not the same kind of sign that we kind of pointed to, but I, I would say that the people that were looking for it, because it was so in front of them, that they deserved one of those signs, right, that we talked about. But they were looking for a sign. This mark, this symbol, something that would remove any doubt, something that would, uh, th- this undeniable message. That's what a sign is. It's this undeniable message that declares something to be true. And so these religious leaders, they were asking Jesus for a sign. We're going to pick up in Matthew chapter number 12. Uh, if you want to take your copy of God's word and turn there, we'll have it uh, also on. Uh, the screen. Uh, if you're watching and joining us in our online campus, we're so grateful uh, that you are are with us. We'd love to hear from you and just connect. And uh, we're so grateful for just the blessing of technology and being able to uh, connect in, in that way. And so uh, grateful uh, to be part of uh, this morning together. Uh, in Matthew's gospel chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 38, And we'll go down to verse 41 uh, as we read together. Let's uh, read God's Word together. Scripture says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man Be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. God, we're grateful for your word. Lord, we're so thankful for the body of Christ as we assemble. Lord, to worship you, Lord, and to be reminded of the great sign, Lord, that you gave us. Lord, the the sign that was given then, Lord, is the sign that we see today. Lord, the, the, the picture of your gospel, Lord, the cross of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would refresh that in our hearts today, God, that we would be reminded as we take communion together, God, that we would look back at the cross of Christ, Lord, that we uh, would take a moment, Lord, and that we might look within our own lives, Lord, that we might be convicted, God, of sin and the God that the ways, Lord, that we fall short of Your glory, God, in the the places, Lord, where we just want to go our own way, Lord. We pray, God, that in the power of Your Spirit, God, You might convict our hearts, God, that You might change us from the inside out, God, that we might respond, Lord your word, God, as you reveal yourself through it. And Lord, may we leave this place on mission for the glory of your name. God, may we leave this place with a story to tell the story of your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we pick up in today, these Jewish leaders, I want to remind you, they had witnessed several uh, miracles, right? These were the people that had seen Jesus do all of uh, these uh, incredible things. And they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, we want to see a sign from you. And I'm thinking in this kind of moment, like, are you kidding me? Like, even if they hadn't seen all these things, there's no doubt that they would have heard of just the incredible way, all the things that he had been doing over these last three years. This is near the end of Jesus' ministry, right? This is in a, a time where Jesus has done all of these things, but here they are asking for sign they're wanting it their way right they're wanting their own signs they're desiring a sign but they're rejecting all the ways that God has revealed himself all the things that God has already given right? and can I remind you today that we have a God who speaks we have a God the only reason that any of us know anything about our great God the only reason that we know any of that is because God has chosen to reveal himself to us And it's part of his nature, right? It's God's nature that he reveal himself to us. We see it uh, in creation, right? We see that creation declares the glory of God, right? We look around and we see the firmament of the heavens. We see the the, the glory, right, of, of God displayed, in a mountain scene, right? Have you looked at all the leaves and the way they're changing colors and the beauty of God's creation? He reveals himself through that. We see the, the intricate details in his greatness, right? We see uh, that God reveals himself through creation. We see that God reveals himself through the living word, right? John chapter one, we see just the incarnation of Christ. We see his version of the Christmas story, right? And the scripture says that the word became flesh, right? The living word, the word became flesh, Jesus Christ stepped out from the glories of heaven. The scripture says he uh, was obedient unto death, that he did not consider equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he he was born into this world. The scripture says that the, the God of heaven, the one who created all things, scripture says that there was not one thing that was created that was not created by him and for him, that that God entered into the brokenness of this world. And he reveals to us our God right we, we see that God reveals himself through the living Word, and then we see that God reveals himself and primarily right through the Word of God that we hold in our hands through the written word of God that we have declaring who He is and the story of Christ, right the gospel story and so here are these religious leaders and they're saying hey give us a sign show us if you'll do this right we want to see something undeniable you know and people today do the same kind of thing right Lord if you'll meet this need if you'll heal this sickness Lord if you'll let me marry that beautiful lady I'll even preach like I'm not even say I didn't say that but that would have been that would have been funny that would have been funny right right out didn't. yeah But, I mean, we think of those kind of things. Lord, if you'll allow this, right, or if you'll you'll paint a picture in the sky, if you'll do this or you'll do that, and God does what he wants, right? We sung that in the first song, right? And God, uh, at times, engages in the midst of our brokenness in different ways. But we're going to see that he's given this one sign, and this one sign that was given, uh, that was coming ahead for those religious leaders. The one sign that, that they were going to see is the same sign that we see today and has been seen for generations, right? And so here's this... But, but these people, they're coming, and they're not sincere. Their goal, it, it's kind of like if you just showed them this, then they would want something else, right? There, there would be another reason. And it was basically this thing of pride, and we all have that, right? We all have this, this tendency sometimes to say, you know what? I want God to reveal himself to me in the way I want God to reveal him. Do you realize that we're talking to the God that spoke this very world into existence? That, that, that it's, it's a God who, and, and I'm so grateful that he speaks and he reveals himself to us but in pride in our control, he doesn't respond to that type of behavior. And so he calls them out, verse 39, but he answers and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, yet no sign will be given to it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. So here's these Pharisees, and we've been We just finished walking through the book of Jonah. We just finished walking through uh, just this incredible uh, picture of God's mercy and grace to the Ninevites. We saw just this message that Jonah proclaims and the way that they respond and just this incredible uh, picture of God's goodness and his mercy. And here's this thing. It says, the sign of Jonah, the prophet Now, these Pharisees, they've been looking and they've been questioning where Jesus' power came from, right? They had seen the miracles, but they're saying, you know, does this person cast out demons in the power of Satan, right? Is this where Jesus is able to do that? And Jesus responds and says, hey, the reason that I'm doing this is so I can demonstrate that there is nothing that's not under my control, that that I'm sovereign over everything, that everything uh, is under my subjection, right? This is the place that he is in and there's nothing sincere about this right and their motives are not to believe but the motives of these people are to trap and to condemn and they're they're really looking more for reasons not to believe even than this and and Jesus responds to them and he says you can ask all you want but no sign is going to be given to this adulterous generation this rebellious group except the sign of Jonah and here's what that was he says but Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, we can look at a lot of things. We can look at the message that Jonah proclaimed, right? We Remember, in Hebrew, it was only five words, said nothing about repentance, said nothing about uh, even the fact that God might relent. It was just 40 days this place is going to be destroyed, right? And it that, that was this kind of dynamic that, that this message that was proclaimed was nothing compared to the message of Christ and the promise, right, that is given to us and we respond uh, to the grace and goodness of Jesus so we could look at all those things. But as I read this passage, there's no doubt that the intention here was for one thing, right? That both were brought out alive after three days, right? The sign of Jonah, it demonstrated the power of God in that moment, right? It demonstrated it there. And the resurrection, of Jesus Christ demonstrates the power of God and it is the sign that God has chosen and it is the only sign that was given uh, to that perverse generation and, and it is the only sign that carries from every generation that we look at and we look right to the evidence and we look to the reality and we look to the truth of the resurrection. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we are to proclaim In this generation, it is the one thing that has power, right? The scripture says uh, that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where it is the power of God unto salvation. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we don't want to get so hung up on trying to compare the story of Jonah and all these intricate details to the story of Jesus. And, And maybe you read through that and you say, wait a minute, this three days, three nights thing, wait a minute, wasn't Jesus, wasn't he, crucified on Friday about 3 p.m. And then uh, he, he died then. And then he was placed in the tomb uh, later that evening. So he died at the ninth hour. Then he's placed uh, and buried in the tomb. And so he was in the tomb, some of Friday, all a Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, he rose uh, from the grave. Right. So that's so we're saying, how, how does that add up, right? Now, that's like three days, three nights. What, what's going on here? And I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but I just want to recognize it as we walk through it. When we see scriptures like this, I'm reminded that the ancient Jews measured uh, time in a different way than we do, right? The, the day uh, began after sunset, right? So a new day began after sunset, not midnight. And, and they would consider a day, right, when any part of the day had been uh encapsulated in that so you've got for Matthew and for the readers that were there here they are they say Friday night one Saturday two Sunday three and on the third day Jesus rose from the grave right it's more uh, of this picture of this proverbial expression right when he says three days and three nights that just encapsulates the fact that it happened in and was a combination of any three separate days so we don't have to get hung up in those places right but here's the thing That's important. He says, one sign will be given to that generation. And that one sign was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, when we think about this thought of here's your sign, I want to just give you really quickly what your sign is, right? This is your sign, right? And it should cause excitement, right? Because here's the reality like this. We, we celebrate like on Easter and we talk about the resurrection, but I want you to know that we as followers of Jesus Christ should be proclaiming the resurrection every single day, right? That we should live, right? Here's your sign, the crucified Christ. This is the sign, right? The crucified Christ has conquered the grave and that is your sign, right? The crucified Christ has conquered death. When we look at the early church, when they began to preach the good news of the gospel, Acts 2, beginning in verse 23, The scripture says this, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And then there's these two words that all through scripture, when we see the power of the resurrection and when we see the power of the gospel, we see these words, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in it power and so here it is in these early followers of Jesus Christ as they're proclaiming the message they're saying you put Jesus to death you remember you remember here's your son here's your son Jesus he is alive that's the son that's what you've been looking for verse 32 in that same chapter scripture says this this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses right they were witnesses of the resurrected Jesus and these followers of Jesus Christ tradition tells us that that all of them that many of them died for their faith that they were martyred right that those that doubted that they tradition would tell us that that Thomas was speared in India right that we would see that these people that encountered the risen Christ were willing to die for the truth of the resurrection they became witnesses of the resurrection right and we're to be witnesses of the resurrection too look at verse 36 he says this therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified see they began to proclaim the good news of the resurrection here's your sign and the sign given to them That day is the sign that is given to us today that the crucified Christ has conquered the grave. The sign of Jonah, the same sign given to you, the same sign given to me. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the evidence of the resurrection is great. If we had time, we could go through. It's historically plausible, right? It's, in my opinion, historically verifiable, right? As we look at these men that live for Jesus and the things that we see in them. Verse 41, though, we see this. It says, the men of Nineveh. I want you to soak this in. The evidence of the resurrection is so great. Look at this word. It says, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So like the worst message, right? That's what Jonah proclaimed, right? He was a disobedient, rebellious prophet. He didn't want to see Nineveh respond in repentance. He had no desire for that. We see in, in chapter four, as we walk through that, that he actually was hesitant to go, not because of fear, not because the Ninevites were all these wicked people, and he was afraid of what they would do to them, but he was afraid that because he knew what kind of God that he served, because he knew that God was gracious and merciful, that God uh, would work in their lives in a way that allowed, that they would repent of their sin, that they would repent and respond to the message that Jonah gave. So he gave just the kind of bare bones, right? Five words in the Hebrew, and all of Nineveh repents, right? Sackcloth, ashes, animals in sackcloth. This incredible picture of repentance. There's a, there's not a, a presumption or an entitlement in that of what God will do. If you remember the king of Nineveh, he, he's responding in this and he says, perhaps God will relent, right? He says, maybe. And we see the message of the gospel, the promise that if we'll respond to the gracious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, that it is by grace through faith that we're saved, that we can trust and know that if we believe and repent, that Jesus will save us, that he will, he will change us, that, that we're born again into a living hope, right through the resurrection of Jesus. And so here they are, their guilt, right? These religious leaders, their guilt is all the more serious because something greater than Jonah is here. Now, we might have expected when I read that and actually looked in... The original language, because I would have expected this something greater to be in the masculine form and it being referring to someone greater, that it is Jesus. But what we see is it's neutral in this passage, which allows us to understand that, that it's, that it's describing something more, right? That it's describing the, the work of Christ, right? God's whole work that's in Jesus Christ, God's whole work that's accomplished through the cross of Christ, the sending of his son, the provision of salvation for repentant sinners, the bringing of the kingdom of God, all of this in the story of Jesus, all of this in God's work in here. And there's two contrasts that we can't miss. So we, we see here's this story, right? This is the, the sign that's gonna be given, the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so we look at this, the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We see another contrast. We see the Ninevites, what did they do? They responded to this message in repentance. That's what they did. They repented of their sin. There was visible display of that. It was obvious uh, in their response. But what we see in this, is that these Jews did not. And the Ninevites were confronted with Jonah, and they were confronted with something so much greater. So here's this picture of responsibility that they have as they have been encountered by Jesus. And here's this thing that just really stirred in my heart As I read this passage and as I thought about us, right, we have the written word of God. We have all of these gifts, right? We have, and we also have the blessing of being able to testify to the resurrection and goodness of Christ before the judgment. So we see these Ninevites, they're going to stand in, you know, in, in testify in judgment against these here, right? Because they responded to this message of Jonah. But we have the ability today to testify to the goodness and grace and mercy of God, to testify to the death and resurrection of our Savior now. See, those that have encountered our Savior, those that have encountered someone far greater, we must testify of his goodness. Because those that have been crucified with Christ We've been raised with him in victory. Romans 6 says that we've been buried with Christ in baptism, right? And that how much more shall we be joined in the likeness of his resurrection that we've been buried with him in baptism and that we are raised to newness of life. Second Corinthians 5 says that if, if anyone is in Christ, that he is a new creature, that old things are passed away and behold all things have become new. Not only are we united in his death as we repent of our sins and place our faith and trust in Jesus, but we are uh, united with him in his resurrection, right? And so those crucified with Christ, we have been raised with him in victory. The crucified Christ has conquered the Grave and those crucified with Christ have had their grave conquered. I want you to hear that this morning. The crucified Christ, He's conquered the grave, and those that have been crucified right with Christ, we've had our grave conquered. Ephesians 2 says it this way in verse 3 It says, Among them, we all too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. This is the work that God has done. Did you notice that? But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together in Christ. And it is by his grace that that happens, right? It's a a neat day, right? It's a day that we could look out and say, happy Reformation Day, right? Who would have thought on October 31st of 1517 that someone nailing uh, you know, that this thought of a hammer striking a castle door in Germany would ultimately uh, lead to transformation of the Western society in the way that it did, right? Martin Luther's nailing of his 95 thesis, we see uh, this picture of, of him nailing that to the church door on October 31st, 1517. It provoked a debate that resulted in something beautiful, right? Luther's study of Scripture, I thought it was interesting. Today, Chris's This Is My Story Right, was talking about uh, him uh, coming out of the Catholic Church and out of this thought that he had to do something, right, that his works, right, could earn his way into grace with God, that his works could earn his salvation, that his works uh, could somehow merit the grace of God in his life. But what we saw was when Luther studied the scriptures, right, that his opposition uh, to the church of Rome, and, and it, it was he opposed based on the truth of the scripture, right? The primacy that that God's word, right, that it stands over church tradition, that it stands over anything in this world, that we we come, when we come and we gather here and we open the word of God, there's a reason that everything we do is out of the word of God. There's a reason that I don't come and and just give you like, here's what I think about this or that, because there's authority in the word of God. And when we come under the authority of of the word of God, it stands over tradition, it stands over everything, and, and, and the reality that he saw and the things that he saw was that there's a different way, right? That, that the means by which we are made right in the sight of God is not based on our works. See, that that's what the Protestant Reformation uh, was, was about, right? That, that these good works could by no means merit the favor of God in our lives, that salvation, as Chris shared in his testimony, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and yes, we should see good works, every believer in this room, because here's what we're asking, and here's what I'm going to ask you today, that you might live as evidence of the resurrection, right, that you might share your story, that you might live your life for the glory of something much greater, because the resurrection reminds me that no matter what you're facing, no matter what hard times are in your life, no matter what difficulties have come your way, no matter what situation, are in your life, with your marriage, with your family, with anything that's at the resurrection says that all those things, that they're not the end. That there's a greater story, right, through the power of the cross, right, that we Yes, we have good works, and those good works result of our faith, right? As Jesus lives his life in and through us, right? We, we say here that the life of a Jesus follower is not about us living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through us. That's the power of the resurrection fleshed out in the lives of followers of Jesus Christ, right? It's by faith alone in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, right? This, if you're a believer... Here's the truth today. If you're a believer, the power of resurrection is in you. If you are a believer, your grave has been conquered. Your grave is no longer there. Your grave has been conquered. There's freedom in Christ and we have a resurrection story to tell. And this is the intent that followers of Jesus Christ that we would gather and that we would testify of the goodness and grace of Jesus. It should be normative for us to be in other situations with other believers and we should say, Hi, my name is Jason. It's so good to meet you. I would love to hear your Story, right? We should be storytelling people, talking about how the intersection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has intersected the brokenness of our lives and how he has worked in an incredible way. See, your story is witness testimony to the power of the cross. And the evidence is this new heart, this new desire, this new way that we live. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. What is your story? Where has God intersected the brokenness of your life? And and, and I want to tell you, sometimes we look at the things in our past and the difficulties that are there. And the, and the brokenness that's in there, and I think about those things, and there's things that, that, man, I wish I could go back and change, but I want you to know that, that in our weakness, right, he is made strong, and in the intersection of the weakest moments of our life, and in our brokenness, God desires to take those places, right, and declare a resurrection story through you. What is the specific good news, right? What is it? that has entered into the midst of brokenness. This past week, I had the blessing of being uh, in a cohort. Dave Loveless is a guy who uh, leads a group of pastors, a group of guys a lot smarter than I am, that we get together once a week, and we just kind of sharpen and lean in in Scripture and are challenged by the Word of God. And he began to share, you know, he invests his life breathing into pastors like me, invests his life uh, in discipleship, leads a lot of businessmen, uh, in discipling relationships. And he said, You know what? He said, I approach people and he said, I look for people that I can engage with my story because here's his story right at the pinnacle of success when everything was going his way, when everything was coming together, he uh, had a very difficult situation that uh, nearly cost him to lose everything. And he says, You know what? I invite people to come in to my. Story. He said, I'd love to meet with you and talk about what it looks like to lead a thriving business and not lose your soul. I love to engage with people and talk about how you can walk through the temptations of this world and you can do those kind of things. And, and here we are. And the question that we think about, what is the specific good news that entered into the bad news of our story that has produced a brand new story? I want you to think about that. What does that look like in your life, right? What is the brokenness and the difficulty and the hurt and the pain? Because I'm reminded that God doesn't waste any of that. The scripture will tell me that God doesn't waste any hurt, any pain, anything. He says that the momentary light affliction that we walk through is producing a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal. He says that everything that we face, that it's all working, that God doesn't allow it to be wasted, that everything is working together for the glory of God in our lives. Right? We see this and, and for our good. What's our story? Where does that intersect? Revelation 12, verse 11 says, They overcame him, Satan, the enemy, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. You have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. You have a story that others in your life need to hear. Isn't it amazing? And and if you really will begin to look around, you'll see that God has placed people all around you, that God in in his provision and grace, that he places people around you that need to hear your story. He places people around you that your story will resonate with that you will be able uh, to share the good news, right? And the greatest places can be in our weakness. This is who our God is. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. I want to remind you again that the worst in the resurrection story, the very worst is not the end. The message of Jesus Is greater, and we are to walk around declaring, right? Here's the sign Jesus is. Alive, And we live as evidence of the resurrection that Jesus has changed my life, that I've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins, I've been made alive in Christ. Even though I've been in all these things, Jesus has intersected the brokenness of my life and he's changed me from the inside out. Jesus, as I responded to the message of the gospel by believing in him and repenting of my sins, the, the God's grace, right, has reached down and he's changed my life and he's sent me and allowed me uh, to, to be a witness for him in this world. Here's your sign, right? And we declare it to the world all around us. They're looking for a sign. And as I look at you, many of you's lives have been changed by the gospel. Here's the sign. But I want to remind you to the people that God allows in your circle of influence. To the people that are all around you. I want to tell you something. You're there, son. As the resurrection has impacted your life. As you've been born again. As you've been changed by the gospel of Jesus. There was a time that that brokenness and... And all the mess that was there. But I'm so glad that my God takes the messes of my life. And in his grace and in his goodness that he makes a masterpiece. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. He says that we're his workmanship, his made That if we're in Christ, we're a masterpiece that God is working. And in the midst of our story, there's dark spots. But those dark spots become part of a canvas where a beautiful story, his story, is painted. And we declare his goodness. We declare his mercy. We declare Who he is and we live as evidence of the resurrection. All the mess of our life. All the the trails that we get on. We were walking through James. He said that these trails are trials to make us complete in Christ. All those trails, they become part of wonderful tales that we get to share about how God God has worked in our life about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ has given us hope. And through the gospel, we've been made right with God. We've been forgiven of our sins through faith in Christ, not of works lest anyone should boast. So we're going to come together today and celebrate that, right? We've been given a gift. We've been given the blessing of being able to come to the Lord's table as the family of God, as the body of Christ. And I want to invite you, when we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we acknowledge, right, that Jesus died on the cross, a sacrifice for our sin, but that death could not hold him in the grave, right? That he is risen and he will come again to take us home. And there's an incredible price that's been paid in our place, right? When we read those words, do this in remembrance of me, right? We, we are reminded, right, that we gather today and there's a risen Christ, right? That, that when we gather here, that, that, that we're remembering someone who is now present with us. We're remembering the risen Jesus. An incredible price was paid so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin. And what is our response to that to that sacrifice. What is our response going to be? Our response should be nothing less than living as evidence of the resurrection. We've been empowered by the Spirit of God to walk worthy, right? That we might walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That we might be people that live as evidence of the resurrection. So we come to the table of God. We come and we gather and we look back, right? We look grateful for the cross, grateful for all that God has done in our lives. We look back just thankful with incredible gratitude. And we come and we look within ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, I believe it's verse 28, says examine yourselves. Right, it says man must examine himself. And in doing so, he's to eat the bread and drink of the cup. Not only do we have this privilege of looking back at the work of the cross, but we have the blessing of looking within our own lives and just examining and saying, God, is there anything in me Lord that is displeasing to you Lord is there sin in my life that remains unconfessed and we have an opportunity in these moments to come before a holy God we have an opportunity to pray even in these moments and say God search my heart see God desires to work in us in conforming us to the image of his son and in moments like this as the church gathers as the body of Christ we look within our lives and we examine we have an opportunity right? I always think about my mom when she would make a meal, you know, we had to wash our hands, right? And we'd come to approach that table, right? We'd wash our hands. We'd get ready to come together as a family. we get ready to do those kind of things. We have an opportunity, right, to come to the Lord's table clean, not because we can earn our cleanliness, not because of that, but because of the grace of God, because He is willing. Scripture says that if we confess our sin, that He's faithful and just to forgive us all sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness, right? Repentance doesn't stop when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we continue to repent as God reveals to us as we are convicted of our sin. What a gift it is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and that we can come before him confessing our sin, knowing that he forgives us, knowing that he restores us, knowing that his grace is sufficient. So we want to come together in that kind of heart. I want to I want to ask the band to come, and, and we're going we're to do this. We're going to worship together. I want to give you an opportunity just to reflect on the grace and goodness of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to talk to God. It might be that in this, uh, during this song that you want to confess sin, it might be that you want to uh, just to kneel down before God and thank Him for His grace. To, to, you may do that from where you're at. You may want to come to this altar and just, uh, just to declare and and, and, and just... Uh, praise our God in confession and repentance and uh, Lord and just gratitude for all he's done right we should see believers live lives filled with gratitude for the grace that's been extended us if you've never trusted Jesus if there's never been a time in your life where you've repented of your sin and just believe the gospel just trusted by human faith alone right listen there's nothing you could do to earn your way to heaven but Jesus has done everything he's paid it all the work of the cross is finished. The work is done. When Jesus died on the cross, he cried out to Telestai. It is finished. Paid in full. And if you'll believe and trust in him, scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.21 So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we approach the Lord's table clean and right. Not because of our goodness, not because we've been perfect, but because of the finished work of Christ and because he lived a perfect life. He died not only for our sins in that sense of of for them that way, but he died in our place. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that we have the privilege, Lord, to come together as the body of Christ. Lord, to take communion. Lord, to take the Lord's Supper, to remember, God, all that you have done in our place God to remember your death God that you were beaten and broken Lord I pray God that in these moments Lord God that the weight of the cross God could be Lord in the power of your spirit God real in our lives God that we could remember Lord that we've been purchased with a price Lord the cost of our salvation was great and it's extended to us free Lord, if there's anyone that's never trusted you, I pray today, God, that they might turn from their sin and that they might believe the truth of your word, God, the truth of the gospel, Lord, and they might by faith. Lord, in the finished work of the cross, Lord, that they might be born again. Lord, that they might be saved. Lord, that they might come in repentance. Lord, recognizing that, Lord, we've sinned and fallen short of your glory. God, we've sinned and fallen short of your grace. Lord, that there's none righteous not even one. And the wages of our sin, the the just punishment that we deserve is death, eternal separation from you in a place called hell. Lord, we recognize, Lord, we know that's what we've earned. Thanks be to God, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so if there's any that don't know you, God, I pray today Lord, that they would turn from sin and that they would just turn and surrender to you. Calling on your name, Lord, you tell us that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. That with the mouth, Lord, confession is made, Lord. That if we believe God in our heart, Lord, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, not just simply knowing about you in our minds, but believing so much that we trust you with our lives. Lord, surrender, believing in our heart. God, we confess you as Lord. Lord, that means, how we confess that no longer are we in charge? It's no longer our way, but Lord, we surrender to you as Lord and King, Savior. If we believe with our heart in the resurrection that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that we could be saved. It's the sign of Jonah. It's the sign that's been given for generations that Jesus died in our place, on a cross, was buried, and on the third day, was raised from the dead. Lord, we love you. God, I pray for believers in this room. Lord, I pray that you would renew. God, I desire in us to share the good news of our story. God, how your story is intersected. Lord, convict us of sin. God, I pray that our, every person, Lord, would ask you, Lord, to reveal to them in these moments, Lord, the ways and the places that, God, that you desire them to repent and to, to surrender to you, Lord. We pray, God, that you would help us to prepare our hearts, God, not because of our good, but because of the work of the cross, for the moments that we'll partake in communion together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Will you stand with me and just worship together? If you have business to do with God, I pray that you'll just be obedient. That you'll come.